Hey companions, uh, this is Peter. And this is Tom. And this is a pre-recorded episode from our former feed, TV Ape My Brain. So uh, this episode is still there, but we decided to put these on Cobra Kai Companion, so that way you guys get to hear all the stuff that we have done previously. Yes, basically it's the same uh, Tom and Peter, same show, just a little bit more directly uh, fed to you. And here it is. All right, this is uh, Vas Sanchez. I play Nestor on Cobra Kai. Uh, soy Nestor, aquí con Tom and Pete, como un podcast, TV ate my brain. And they said they don't need any pizza or Pepto or hot dogs, so I like them. This could be cool. Welcome to TV Ate My Brain, the official TV podcast of Cora Temp Arts, and I am your host, Peter, also host of Postalgic. And I'm your other host, Tom, also co-host of Jake and Tom Conquer the World. And we cover the Cobra Kai TV show on YouTube Premium, uh, for those that are tuning in for the first time. And for this episode, we have another interview. This is our ninth one, uh, this time with Mr. Voss Sanchez, who plays Nestor. Uh, he is the cashier at the convenience store. Very, very cool guy. So cool. So cool. He's a stand-up comedian, uh, a legitimate Karate Kid fan. And, um, you know, I want to just throw it in there that I'm not... I'm not saying that like previous interviewees weren't, but you can tell this guy loved the the movies growing yeah, up. Yeah, he's somebody who grew up with them. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they had a major impact on uh, his life, and uh, if I had to guess, I'd say maybe even his personality. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's watched movies that Billy Zabka was in, uh, Ralph Macho was in. In the interview, he dropped two titles, one one for each uh, actor that are very. Uh, you know, of its time and very, uh, I guess, diamonds in the rough, gems. You know, he mentioned uh, just one of the guys and Crossroads. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. two movies that I feel not a lot of people saw. You know, and if you were fans of those two actors, yes, you'd know about those movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, he shared some really great stories, and it was a just a really cool, you know, conversation and just listening to his stories, kind of like Martin Cove. You know, it's like he just kept on talking, and it was just so interesting to hear. Yeah, I almost felt like for a little while I uh, switched gears from a podcast host to a podcast listener. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And which I'll, I'll mention now before I forget. And, you know, uh, we did talk to him about that he should become a podcaster or something to that effect. And that will be played at the very end of the episode. So it's not part of the main conversation, but I thought it was a great uh, conversation nonetheless that I wanted to include that at the end. Yeah, definitely uh, reach out to this guy and encourage him. He's somebody who needs to be behind a microphone. Yeah, he he had such a cool perspective. You can tell that on set, he did a lot of observations. You know, he had so much input and um, insight onto what his character could possibly do in, you know, the next season if he's brought back. And some of just the other insights he had of season one in terms of the characters, of the story, just a very great listen, this conversation, I, I feel. I agree. All right. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Mr. Vas Sanchez. Hello. Hey, Mr. Sanchez. It's Peter. How you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you this morning? 
pretty good, man. Okay, okay, we'll we'll get started. Um, but um, we understand that you uh, are a comedian. Are are you a local uh, comedian? Like in, so you're from the Georgia area as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you talk about that? Like when you got into uh, comedy and stand up, and uh, how long you've been doing that? Yeah, I've been doing stand up comedy for the better part. I would say like five to six years here in Atlanta, um, and just kind of started doing that as a means to just stay on stage. I started kind of a lot of my acting career as many do on stage. Um, and I was doing a lot of improv and stuff like that. And so to branch out and get a little further, I started doing uh, stand-up comedy based on a, a film we were doing, um, where I was supposed to be like a very big famous comic. And this, the main character of the film was like supposed to be this guy who was really, uh, looking up to this comic. Cause I really didn't, think I was much of a stand-up comic. I thought I was a pretty funny guy, but not too funny. I didn't think I could hold it. And uh, we did this scene, and the owner of the club came up to me and was like, oh, I want you to do some stand-up for me next week. So I said, all right, fine. And ever since then, I haven't stopped. Wow. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's the stand-up scene uh, like down there? Because I have a friend who is a, a local comedian uh, in the Detroit area, and uh, he's starting to branch out further west. And I, I was just kind of curious what it was like down there. The scene in Atlanta is amazing. Um, it's very, very big, and it's very strong. Um, the community is really tight-knit. And um, I would say that all of the, the comics here in Atlanta really bring it. Like, they really understand structure and timing and content generation. And, like, they're, um, they're very present. They all have very unique and different styles. I don't feel like a lot of folks down here are really trying to like copy or really like take from someone else's style. They're very unique. And again, like I said, the, the community is very strong, um, very tight knit. Everybody's really good friends. Uh, the Atlanta comedy page for Facebook is, is really great. Uh, like every, every day when it's someone's birthday, someone will post a big kind of a happy birthday post. And in doing so they post this big, like, what we love about that person and everybody comments. You get upwards of like 300 comments on your birthday of people just telling you they love you and they support you. And they're, you know, putting you on all these different shows and commenting on all these great experiences they had with you. So the scene here is, is full of love and it's, it's great. I encourage anyone from any scene to please stop through Atlanta, try and get on any one of our shows. They're awesome. Yeah, very cool. That is cool. Yeah, I um, that's awesome to have that type of support group. Tom, Tom, I, I wish you know the movie podcasting uh, community was that supportive. You know, I'd like to get three hundred, three hundred likes and <laughs> in love on my birthday. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, <laughs> well, it would be. All communities would be better <laughs> if we could do that. <laughs> uh, growing up, did you have any type of um, any inspiration in terms of the the comedic scene? Uh, you know, like Eddie Murphy doing stand up early on. Do you, did you have anything oh, yeah. like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Eddie Murphy is definitely one of them. Raw and Delirious were part of my, like, rotation all the time as a child. Robin Williams, Live at the Met. You know, Steve Martin, um, Richard Pryor. I, I mean, it's funny when you talk about it, for, for being as young as I was when all those were coming out, I probably should not have been exposed to half the stuff those guys were saying. <laughs> but, but, you know, you just you hear it, you just do it. And I used to watch a lot of, like, um, Mel Brooks films, you know, um, Spaceballs was a, a big one that I would like quote. I remember being very young, like very, very young and being in like a dealership while my parents were trying to buy a car. And I had all these car salesmen kind of circled around me as I was quoting the movie. And at, at a point in time, I thought it was because I was funny, 
but in, I, I kind of go back to that. And I think it was because I was just dropping like F bombs. Uh, as like an eight-year-old. I think that everybody was just gathered around because this was well before like Instagram. So this was just a moment for everybody to just be like, oh my gosh, look at this kid. He's just over here just dropping F-bombs. And like, (laughs) so I don't know, but I was always quoting that kind of stuff. And and yeah, definitely like the bigger names that we all grew up kind of hearing, I definitely was inspired by those guys and that classic form of 80s, 90s style stand-up was always something that intrigued me and, and kind of pushed me into like, a center spotlight in front of any group. So, yeah, the um, Spaceballs is uh, it's definitely one of my personal favorites as well. And I introduced yeah. uh, my oldest son. I think he was maybe like fourteen at the time. Um, I introduced him to that movie, and he wasn't too high on it. And I, I, I think he wasn't too versed in the Star Wars, so, so he didn't really quite get a lot of the references, mm-hmm. but I thought he would still like the jokes nonetheless. But uh, in one of our episodes, we actually, or um, I made a reference to Spaceballs, and it's a scene where um, Tanner Buchanan, uh, what, what was Johnny's son's name again? Robbie, right? Robbie. Robbie. Robbie was, uh, Robbie's yeah. Son, yeah, so the on, on Cobra Kai, Robbie, he, he's like trying to con this guy, you know, with the computer. And he's like, oh, don't worry, my password is 1234. And I told Tom, I go, it'd be funny if it was 12345, you know, from, from yeah. Spaceball. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm definitely right there with you. It's amazing. It's the same combination on my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, now, you are a wine connoisseur, I saw on your Instagram. Yeah, that's another little a bit of me. Yeah. So I've been in the service industry as many actors uh, tend to do. Um, unlike, unlike some though, the service industry for me has been like kind of the other, the other part of my life. Like I grew up in the restaurant world and um, it's kind of always been my safety net where acting can be so feast and famine. You never know, you know, when you're going to book uh, a good recurring role or if you're ever going to book something that keeps you working for a good amount of time. So in the interim, I just work in the restaurant industry. And so for years, I've been putting in work for them. And in the last, uh, I'd say the last like four years or so, I really got into wine and became um, kind of like a first tier sommelier. And so I get really big into, into that and love wine. Absolutely. What about beer? Love beer. I work at a beer (laughs) and wine store on uh, two days a week as well. So a lot of uh, useless knowledge on both sides of the coin on that. I know nice. tons of stuff about beer and wine. <laughs> yeah, Tom himself here is uh, quite the, the beer connoisseur. He makes his own beer sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome, dude. What kind of hops do you use? Uh, a lot of Cascades, mainly. Uh, honestly, I, I don't brag about uh, making beer because it's literally just from a kit. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, uh, I, I try to do a, lo- a little bit of experimenting uh, where I'll add things to the secondary hop. Uh, not the secondary hop, but the secondary uh, fermenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like I, I made a uh, chocolate chili porter. Uh, that turned out pretty nice. Nice. Sounds great. I, I don't know I'm, what you guys I'm are talking porter. about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink a beer. Secondary fermentation. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I was going through your Instagram account, and um, I think the first time I saw you, like, in the shop that you're talking about, I thought you were actually at the convenience store, you know, that you were, your character works at on Cobra Kai. I was like, wait, does he actually work there? 
I have so much experience in, in life to play these characters. Um, yeah, the, the wine store, the bottle shop that I work in, um, very different from the store that Nestor uh, works in in the show. <laughs> the the store that Nestor runs, I think, is uh, I would say is a lot more um, fun. It would feel <laughs> it's very like laid back. Yeah, a lot definitely happened there. Um, I, I saw that uh, in your credits that you um, had there was an episode of MacGyver that you were also in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did they they filmed that down there then, huh? Yeah, they, we we were picking up a lot of interesting shows and, and things happening in Atlanta. A lot of film uh, is happening here, and so um, it is always interesting to see what comes across the desk for things they want you to read. And yeah, I picked up an episode of MacGyver, and it was. Um, it was really good. It was oddly enough, it was supposed to be the episode supposed to take place in Puerto Rico, which is half of where I'm from. <laughs> and so it was like, uh, it, it made sense. It was fine. The casting director really liked me and then moved on to the episode. The directors were a lot of fun and it was a really, really cool episode. Um, it was probably one of the most trying episodes I've ever had to shoot only because we were shooting directly under a flight path from south of the Atlanta airport, which is a very busy airport. And oh, so geez. for each take we were trying to do, there was just a plane flying over and we'd have to, we'd have to cut and kind of go back to one every time. And it was very, it was very trying, but we got through it. We got what we needed and it was a, it was a really fun day on set for sure. The the reason I brought that show up in particular, because we previously interviewed uh, Miss Erin Bradley Danger, who played Counselor Blatt and she had yeah. uh, a few episodes as like a Phoenix agent, you know? So that's kind of cool that you guys were both associated with MacGyver. Yeah, that is kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So being a comedian and doing some of these uh, other side jobs, like how did you come across Cobra Kai? Um, it was one of those, you know, I have an agent, and so it was one of those moments where uh, this this comes across the desk, and she she submitted me for it. And I got really excited because I'm a, I was a huge Karate Kid fan back then. I'm a huge Karate Kid fan now. I saw that you know, it was Cobra Kai. And I thought, is this really like affiliated with Karate Kid? What is this? You know, so I started delving in a little bit and saw that it was the, the actual kind of follow-up sequel to the original movies. And I was so thrilled. So I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't care what part I get. I don't care if I'm an extra on this. Would be really, really cool. Um, and so I ended up getting, you know, reading for this part and uh, the, the part was, you know, it was pretty smooth. I think they were, you know, they were really just kind of looking for, Someone to have some some good timing and be able to work with uh, uh, Will Zabka really well, and you know we we had a great time on set, man. Um, I think it was the organic kind of uh, understanding of the character that I was playing. Like Nestor is just that he just doesn't care. Uh, he seems very much to me that Nestor is the kind of guy that's like, I own this place, I run this place, but I really could, would rather not like. I think he probably spends like half of his paycheck usually buying into the Mega Millions Lotto every week, just hoping, <laughs> uh, hoping like, not to be that guy anymore. Um, but so we had to, you know, I think we were, they were really looking for someone with some good timing uh, to be able to react uh, to the edge and the like stress that um, Johnny was really going through. And his his life just being so. These two characters both have a life they really are like ugh about. And I think that it's funny because one is very like I don't really care, and the other one is so Johnny's so intense. So I think it was fun to have the two play against each other. And I think at least I would hope that that's what I kind of managed to do for them. And so that's why I was cast for Cobra Kai. 
Now, you, you mentioned uh, you're a big fan of 80s and 90s pop culture. When you were on set of Cobra Kai and working with William Zabka, working with Ralph Macchio, just I, now I'm assuming that you were a professional on set, but just a little bit, how badly were you geeking out on the inside? So badly. Like, so, <laughs> so badly. Like, all I can say is that, you know, to have been in an episode of MacGyver and now to be in Cobra Kai, if I can book like a Van Damme movie at this point, like 12 year old (laughs) me is going to be high-fiving me right now. Only like Crossroads uh, with, you know, was another Machio film back in the day. And I I play harmonica and I play, and that movie was what kind of put, put that in perspective. I loved the whole understanding of the Robert Johnson 33 song blues story. And so being that close to, to Ralph Machio and talk and actually getting able to talk to, to Ralph, on set, we had a moment which was really, really great. I, I did end up talking to him. And again, it sounds cheesy, but I played harmonica because of that movie. I did karate because of Karate Kid. I specifically did Okinawan-style karate because of Karate Kid. Um, and so I was talking to him about that, and he thought that was really cool. And I was like, you just have no idea, man. I never thought in a million years that I would be on the set of anything affiliated with something that I put actual time and energy into when I was a child. Um, learning Okinawan, I, I learned Shorinru was the style that I took for years and years and years and years, uh, only because Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi was from Okinawa, so I was like, "There's no, there's no better, no better karate to learn than an Okinawan style because Mr. Miyagi's Okinawan." So it was just wild, and we had this great conversation, and he was super nice and very cool, and uh, you know, he was telling me about all the cool props that he still has from a lot of the films, and. He still has a Telecaster from uh, Crossroads that he keeps in. I was like, wow, that's the coolest thing. That I've is ever awesome. Heard. Yeah, it's uh, and he's again just super, super nice, very cool guy to work with. Um, yeah, I just I really respect uh, a lot of what Ralph Macchio has been doing with his career ever since Karate Kid and and you know during Karate Kid and everything. And so being on set with him was like incredible. And and Zabka too, uh, just an amazing guy to work with. Um, they they both are just consummate professionals and like really have such an idea for these characters and such a drive and they and it's really kind of cool to see it's not just like a joke it's not a gimmick of being very like oh we'll just pick up this old franchise and see where it goes they definitely have a very clear-cut understanding of these characters who they are what they want for those characters and like where they want the story to go both of them and they both like have such a, a like a huge respect for something that I think really launched both of their careers. And it's, it's great. Like, it's really great to be around that energy on set because you don't feel like you're part of some joke. You feel like you're part of like the next wave and it feels really cool, you know? Yeah. It's, it sounds like you're really living the dream. You know, it, that's a pretty amazing experience there that you're sharing. You didn't get a picture with like Billy or Ralph? No, you know, when I'm on set with those guys, I try, uh, with anybody really, I try to keep it very, this, here's the truth about me, like just what I try and do. I, I try and believe, I try and put the energy out there that I'm no better or bigger or smaller than they are. So like, if they want a picture with me, I'll let them ask. <laughs> the same way if I wanted a picture with them, I might have asked, but like the experience to me is so, um, it's so raw and pure and like I never want to seem like that big of a fan fanboy in a weird way. 
I just liked having the conversation. Like that's my picture is knowing that like I had a moment to sit and talk with Ralph Macchio about our shared love for Fender Telecaster, for the blues, for karate, our experiences, the whole thing. And to me, like the, you know, unfortunately I just, I never think that quickly. I wish I was a little bit more of a millennial to be like, yeah, do you mind getting a picture? By the time he like gets up and goes off, I'm like, shit, I didn't get a picture. I just like sat there and talked to him. I'm kind of an old man in that way where I'm like, oh, we had a good talk. And that's what I remember. And I can tell you about our talk, but I have no proof. (laughs) So it's just kind of my, it's a little vice, a little thing that I do. But yeah, I'm just, I really don't jump on picture taking on sets. I'm always terrified that it's going to come off, I'll come across the wrong way or come across unprofessional. And I'm always like, I just need to stay professional and just, meh, just keep it cool. I'm always afraid to like have my phone on set at certain points, uh, which did lead to something kind of cool, to be honest. Uh, when I was on set for, I just, I did an episode of um, Better Call Saul and we were out oh. in Albuquerque shooting that. Oh, nice. And I was sitting with uh, Bob Odenkirk on this bus or shooting the sequence on a bus. And, um, I kept pulling my phone out because it was the night that MacGyver was airing on CBS. So everybody that I knew was like, we're we're watching you on TV right now. And I was just, my phone was blowing up and Bob Odenkirk in his very Bob Odenkirk way was literally like, Hey, you're checking that phone more than a damn teenager. Everything. Okay. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, everything's fine. And I felt like, Oh my God, this is the part where the big actor looks at me and goes, Hey, that's unprofessional. I can't believe you brought your phone to set, you know, and I was going to get in trouble. But instead, he's just like, uh, you sure everything's okay? I said, yeah. And he just never leaves character. He's just constantly in this character. And I was like, and he, and he goes, uh, you going to tell me what you keep watching over there? And I was like, oh, it's, it's nothing. You know, I was like, it's my fam. Everybody's just watching my episode of MacGyver tonight. And he literally goes, MacGyver? <laughs> like that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's on CBS. And he cuts me off. He's like, yeah, no, I know what MacGyver is. I was like, okay. <laughs> and he goes, uh, all right, well, that's cool. That's cool. And we're on a break. We're not even shooting at this point. We're just kind of on a break by the by craft services. And he goes, um, well, are you going to show me the, the clip or what? And I was like, you really want to see my scene in MacGyver? And he's like, yeah, let's, let's see it. And I was like, okay. And I pulled up somebody. My brother recorded it from TV, you know, and sent it to me. So I showed it to him, and he was like, all right, you uh, – you proud of that? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's pretty cool. And he goes, cool, cool. All right. Well, that's good, man. That's good. Keep up the good work. Like it just felt so in character of his better call Saul, you know? And then at the end of the episode, after we were done filming, he came up to me and he was like, Hey, that was a great scene, by the way. Congratulations on your booking. He just doesn't break the character in real life. Bob Odenkirk was very like, Hey, that's cool. But he couldn't say that while still playing Saul, like he could not do that. He had to like, or Jimmy rather is that character in the moment. He couldn't break it. So he just kept <laughs> being like this real, really like stoic, <laughs> laconic jerk. And I was like, Oh God, <laughs> I thought for sure they were going to be like, you're in trouble, dude. Like don't have your phone out on set. And they weren't, it was just kind of like the thing. So yeah, to go back to it, sometimes I just, I just am very like guarded when I go, using my phone, but I wish I had caught some pics of me and, uh, of me and Bill and, and, and Ralph. Cause I mean, Bill Zabka, I have to tell you guys, he is the nicest human being on the planet. Like he is the nicest dude. That guy is so kind and so cool. And, uh, my kind of 
story in Cobra Kai is I was only booked for episode one, and the dynamic with Bill Zabka and I for those shots, I think he really liked it, and the directors and producers were talking to me about potentially putting me in more scenes. And I was like, yeah, if you guys need me for anything else, let me know. And sure enough, I booked two more episodes after that. So I felt like, you know, and I'm not trying to like put, brag on myself or anything. I think it's more brag on Zabka that he is just such a good dude that he could respect the rapport that we had and was like, let's do a few more sequences where we go back inside the store. Because there really was only the other one sequence where I'm just kind of standing there uh, while they interact about the spray paint and everything. But prior to that, I, there was the, the scenes with the kid, the bootylicious stuff, the magazines, uh, the ID check. I don't think any of that existed before episode one was shot. So I, I have that could have credited a lot of my, you know, appearances in the show. Cause he just really enjoyed working with me. So I, I love that guy for that. Yeah. Everybody that we've talked to has just had nothing but high praise for the guy. He seems like a really, really cool dude. He is, man. He's unbelievable. It's just like he has such a huge career of wealth uh, from the 80s to now being like a music video producer, rock star, essentially. Just so many cool things that he's done. And just hanging out with him, you're, you're literally like, dude, you are a good dude. You're a good guy. I've met plenty of people uh, on tons of different sets and, and tons of different opportunities where you're like, yep, yeah, that's exactly what I thought they would be like. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, well. They aren't exactly awful, but they're not that pleasant. Some people are a little more diva than others. And everyone on this set, everyone from craft services and, and production all the way up to Zabka and Macchio was an unbelievable pleasure to work with. So professional, so cool, so nice. Everyone was great, man. It was, it was a really cool experience. More sets need to be like Cobra Kai, for real. Like, it was awesome. Those guys are great. Yeah, that's, very cool. That's what a lot of people said. Yeah. Um, with the Credit Kid movies, you know, like I, I also host a movie podcast. Most of them are retro movies. This was uh, completely unintentional, but just kind of doing the math, I think I've already covered what, at least five uh, Ralph Macho movies, three of which are the Credit Kid movies. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> I also covered My Cousin Vinny, The Outsiders. So, I, yeah, yeah. I, I guess, you know, I did enjoy a lot of uh, Ralph's movies kind of growing up as well. Uh, being a, a big fan of Ralph Macchio, what do you what do you think about the way that they're uh, presenting Daniel's character in this series, where they're not really the good guys that we thought they were. They're not really the bad guys either. They're, how do you how do you feel about that presentation? Actually, I really enjoy that only because it it takes the it takes the kind of eighties trope that we all are used to and spins it into a very new perspective of what I think is more realistic um, in that when we go back to the bullies that picked on us when we were kids, or we go back to um, a moment where maybe you picked on a kid or something, you, you go back and it's like in that clip of that moment of your life. Yeah, they were, they were bad. They were jerks. They were mean. They were awful, but we don't know what motivated their, their behavior that day. We're not sure why they were so mean and so awful. And of course, back in the eighties, you just needed that to exist. You just needed them to be the antithesis of what was going to be our underdog hero. And today, you know, I think it's important that we understand that, uh, it's always about like a balance. It's always about trying to understand what motivates people's actions and their, their like repercussions. And there are these, uh, 
um, consequences for your actions. And I think it's, uh, it's funny. It's a funny, like lesson that we learned that, that, um, the actions of both of these guys would translate so far into the future. Um, so, I mean, yes, I think, I think there's a lot of humor to it for sure. In the idea that like, uh, they're still talking about these karate tournaments, even though they're well into their like forties, <laughs> they're still like thinking back to when they were teens and talking about this karate tournament. But I think that they play with it really well in that they joke about how karate was like what Friday night football is to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, karate was like that in the eighties. And I agree. I felt like I totally felt like that. I felt like karate was like the thing in the eighties and the nineties, even the early nineties. And I think that the way that they are showing us that like, you never really know who the bad guys really are. Uh, it's all about the motivation and why. And like, they wrote this show so, so like smart to me in that they would go, the flashbacks would go back to the movie which I loved. It wasn't like these recreated flashbacks. It was like, let's go right back to the moment on the beach when he's kicking the soccer ball around. And he's reliving that moment with us with Zabka's perspective instead of, uh, you know, Machio's perspective, which is what we got originally in the movie. We get Machio's perspective of, I'm just a new kid in this new town and no one really likes me. And there's this really cute girl and I want to get to know her. And all these guys are being nice to me and I want to play soccer with them, whatever. In Zabka's mind, it's this, I'm the hot shot, you know, I've got to prove myself constantly. I've got to stay above the game all the time. And let me go see this girl that I used to date. I'm going to keep trying to get at her. I really want her to like me. Oh, wait, who's this new kid? He thinks he's so cool. I love that they played that. I love that they kind of played that whole angle. And we got to see a little bit deeper into the Johnny character and like what his whole life was with the conflict with his father and his whole family life. Like it really motivated a lot of what, I think some, some kids today might have a lot in common with that where they don't know, they don't exactly know where they fit in. And so they get angry and they kind of lash out their anger and and don't know what to do with it. And I feel like it's interesting now that Cobra Kai becomes kind of the good guy. Cobra Kai becomes the place where kids who don't really know where they fit in can go. And I, and I love that. I was like, this is great. This is one of the best ways I've ever seen to de-villainize someone from the eighties and make them completely like, remade even though we get like the flashback of uh coach crease or uh sensei crease at the end which was like huge spoiler alert for anybody who's listening <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, that was like huge like i was literally like that was a geek out moment for me just watching the show oh yeah so stoked i was like oh my god is it so then there's this this uh, idea of is it still going to be you know Cobra Kai good or Cobra Kai bad like we don't know what we're going to get and I, I kind of love that I really do it just it really hypes up a dynamic that I think is kind of one you just didn't even think was existing in the original films you know oh absolutely yeah and for anyone that has missed it or maybe this is their first episode tuning in we did talk to Mr. Martin Cove you know so oh my god yeah so cool can you imagine how we felt you know being behind the mic and talking I mean, to him we just let the man talk unreal <laughs> so but you know <laughs> and sure. you you have an experience that we definitely uh, envy there um yeah, the, what you said about Cobra Kai, I, I completely agree. You know, like, who would have thought back in 84, you know, fast forward to 2018, you, you're going to have millions of people screaming out, Cobra Kai, you know, uh, till I die, or uh, Cobra Kai never dies, and, no, you know, no mercy. What, ha- what happened to no Wax mercy. On, Wax Off, Miyagi-Do? You know? I know, right? It's <laughs> yeah. gone. So, you know, it's... I- Go ahead, I'm I'm still kind of shocked at my re- uh, kind of realignment of my perspective 
I was a big, big supporter of Daniel LaRusso. Now I can't help but think that he's just kind of a, a smarmy little jerk now. Yeah, I definitely feel like that That kind of, you know, they did kind of take a lot of the shine from our original hero. Um, but again, I think it humanizes things. I think it makes things a little bit more, like, real. And you're just kind of like, you know, was he necessarily a hero? Maybe not. Maybe he was just, we were just seeing it from his perspective. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, in the 80s, it, it just was the out-of-town kid. That was really the only conflict. He just didn't, he was just from out of town. It wasn't, he wasn't any different than anybody else just from out of town and he had that great Jersey accent and that made him not Reseda and that was it. And it, and it was, you know, that's all it was. We never really kind of delved into, um, what, you know, what his true personality was. Miyagi kind of shaped him in a better light. Like he seemed kind of like a little bit of a whiny person kind of coming in. He was always kind of, Oh, I don't want to do this. No, I want to do that. No, mom. And I, I mean, that's karate kid trope was yeah. that Miyagi shape that like respect and discipline is what's going to make you a better person. And then I think it's funny that like in time that respect and discipline, uh, comes through in, you know, car dealerships, which is, <laughs> which exactly, I love yeah. so great that he like owned a car dealership. And I guess, I guess it's like a nod to Miyagi, and, you know, he had all those cool cars, which by the way, uh, Ralph Macchio has the original, uh, I think it's like a Studebaker or whatever. Their really? original car, they get to like wax on, wax off on. He bought that car. He has that car. He has the original uh, uh, gi from the the match uh, from the last shots of the, of Karate Kid One. He's got that gi like hung up in his house. He's talking all about it. I was freaking out. I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. He's like, yeah, I've got that car. I was like, that's so cool. So he's got a lot of cool stuff. Like I think it's really neat that he keeps those things. Now, that is awesome. Now, Tom, I don't want to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but when we reviewed the Credit Kid movies, I might have mentioned that you know Ralph didn't own that car. Oh, I, that, <laughs> I, I, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty awesome, man. Um, so, what was your auditioning process uh, like? You know, you mentioned your your agent, you know, came across this and. And you were hoping that, you know, this this was in that Karate Kid universe. So you only read for the Nesta role? Yeah, only read for Nesta. Um, it was a uh, cast uh, here in Atlanta. And so it was one of those things where I, you know, it was, we do a lot of self-taping here before we do any in-person stuff. And I think that's kind of the the, the norm of most acting stuff is you, you send in these tapes before they actually bring you in and sitting with you in the office and in the casting room and like talk to you a little bit. So I sent in a tape, um, being able to speak, uh, some Spanish and, and English, you know, the character's supposed to have the, the Spanish lines. And I think it's important to know what those lines mean and kind of why he's saying them. And so of course I did. And, and I just kind of played, played very like dry and, and, you know, very apathetic and, I think it just read well on camera, this kind of big dude who I, I personally feel like Nestor at this point needs to take karate. I think it would be really cool if Nestor took karate uh, at Cobra Kai. Um, but I think it's funny that in, in shots, it's just like, oh, this big dude who's clearly like big enough to hold his own is like, I don't care. I just don't care about anything. And like, you know, they wanted this whole idea of like pizza and like food uh, from a, from a, from a gas station, like that you would actually, how, how down on life are you that you would 
get a slice of pizza from a gas station. It's just such a, like, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. And so the audition process to me was funny. Like, I was like, oh, my God, Johnny, what happened to you? Like, well, not only that, but he was very selective. No, I want that piece. You have no idea, man. We we shot, we probably did like 15 takes of that scene. And um, again, working with, uh, with Zabka and, and that Johnny character, the intensity is amazing. So of course the camera's kind of set up over my right shoulder, shooting through that little pizza box. And, you know, they really wanted us to kind of linger in that moment before they were actually going to take the, the shot. And Johnny just staring at those slices of pizza with his head down like that is the same kind of like same kind of badassery look that I used to get when I was a kid watching like just one of the guys or karate kid with Zabka's eyes like that, that look. And I was like, and it's all about pizza. I was cracking up trying to be very serious. <laughs> uh, like, look at this guy. It looks like he's about to karate kick these pizza slices. Like, he's so bad. Looking. And then, yeah, he just picks like, let me get that one, you know? And of course the Nestor character, they, they really grimed up my hands because they were going in for these shots of me, like just, bear palming these pizza slices and which of course being in the restaurant industry as long as I have is just so disgusting to me it's like oh my god but he totally you know Johnny just lives in a world where it doesn't matter he just wants that 86 cent slice of pizza and uh yeah I mean the audition process as a whole was it was really fun uh like I said you get you send these tapes in and then you just kind of hope that you get you know a call or whatever and of course I get a call for the callback and I was thrilled to go in and, and read with the casting directors and uh they they just we, we were all laughing in uh in the audition which i thought was a really good sign just having a lot of fun with the character nestor just being very again apathetic and and very careless about where he put his hands and touched things and it was just gross and we all laughed and then then i got i got it you know i booked it and i was thrilled i was like this is great this is fantastic because i felt i really felt like i understood the character so it was a great process. Now, in your opinion, was Nestor purposely not wearing gloves because it's Johnny, or that's just his character? Um, I think it's probably a little bit of both, but definitely his character. Like, Nestor, if there were gloves back there, he wouldn't even know where to find them. Like, he just, <laughs> he does not care. He has, you're, I, I think it's lucky at that Johnny found pizza in that hot box at all. I don't think that Nestor is the kind of person who would have even like stocked it that morning. Like the night guy, whoever that was, the, the shift before definitely put that pizza in there. Nestor would not have even cared. <laughs> Nestor would have been like, we're out of pizza, dude, get a bag of Funyuns, go somewhere else. It's like, he's just so, <laughs> he's so careless. He does not, you know, I, I, I loved the scene with, uh, with Jake. Uh, he played the character Hawk, um, where he had to check his ID and it's, it's literally just kind of a state law thing, which made it even more fun because Nestor could really doesn't care. Those kids buy a bunch of beer and I loved the sequence there because he comes up and buys the beer. And then we have the whole interchange where he's like, that's my kid over there. And, you know, I'm totally of age. And then Nestor doesn't, you know, once he realizes Nestor doesn't carry asks for like some ridiculous amount of bottles, like, some seven bottles of like liquor, some hard liquor. <laughs> it's just to me, it was like, I love Nestor for that. He's just like, sure. I'll give this kid seven fifths of any one liquor behind this guy. Like, <laughs> wow. Like what a careless person. Um, I love it. 
no responsibility whatsoever for these children. Not even a little bit of like, I don't know if you need seven, dude, maybe start with one. Yeah. Your night goes, but seven, (laughs) like, sure. (laughs) I loved that. That is a pretty good um, uh, moment on the show, too, because Hawk is cl- – I, I had to freeze the, the, the frame where you see his ID, and we did the math, and I think he's yeah. supposed to be 25, and we're like, Hawk does not look yeah. 25. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Nestor does not I care. Loved it. Yeah, Jake, that kid is a great actor, too. Jake is an amazing actor. Um, he's, he was talking to me a lot about wanting to do stand-up, and he's only 17, and I was like, yes, like, go do it now while you're young, and – get up and fail a bunch and have fun with it. And until you feel really strong, which will probably hit you around your 18th or 19th year, which would be great. And then you're that young to hit stand up. He was just, he had great comedic timing, just a really cool kid. Sholo too. Sholo's there. They were all the, all the cast was so fun to work with. Now, in the first episode, um, kind of early on, it's actually a p- very pivotal scene. Um, we get an introduction of a lot of the characters. There's that great fight scene just right outside with uh, Billy and um, yeah. with Joe, who played Kyler. Did you have any interactions with uh, Susan Gallagher, who played Homeless Lynn? Um, no, yes, like Homeless Lynn. She, she, uh, they, the makeup department did such a great job with her um, because she does not look like that obviously no she doesn't <laughs> um, she's very very sweet she's very good but as a character actor she's just phenomenal she really uh i so to be honest when i pulled up to set originally um it is at a pretty rundown little um strip mall that they've obviously locations found and when i pulled up to set i was walking up to set and i saw her and i purposely like avoided her thinking she she was just like someone who they could not get to leave set. She was so believable. I was like, oh, because I, I had shot an episode of the show Powers um, in downtown Atlanta, and we had so many problems with that. Like, there were just so many problems with these poor people that were just all over the place. And they were just constantly having to cut and get these people off set, off scene, out of the camera line because they were just wandering in and screaming and yelling. So here I thought we were dealing with that again. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and come to find out, no, she's like a, an insanely professional actor and just really, really playing that part. Um, she did just wonderful. Like, again, I don't know that I remember even seeing her break character. Like, even in our cuts, she was just sitting outside the store, and it was like, oof. <laughs> what they did with her teeth, like, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, she's she was – Really, really great. Uh, We didn't have any actual personal interaction. Like, I didn't get to actually meet her much. But I will tell you from that perspective that, like, I constantly was like, wow. Like, they really did a great job with her. (laughs) Yeah, we we had the opportunity to speak with her as well. And she was also another great uh, conversation um, to have with. And uh, we, on our review, we were kind of discussing, you know, after... Uh, the scene where Johnny tries to hire her to spin signs, you know, the whole, like, do you want me to show my bits right. too? And, and all that good stuff. Now there's that moment where she's eating this burrito and she is savoring it. And we were wondering, <laughs> did Nestor serve that on a ceramic plate with utensils? <laughs> uh, to, to her, uh, it's very possible. Okay. <laughs> it's very That's possible. what we thought. Because she hangs out the store so much that I feel Nestor keeps, uh, for her, he's like, yeah, yeah, here's your regular plate and uh, utensils, and you can just uh, enjoy your, your Friday burrito. Like, she only gets it once a week if she does. It's like a once-a-week burrito thing. 
uh, from all of her, you know, penny pinching and collecting out there. Uh, if I had to give it any backstory, that's definitely what's up. But he totally keeps a plate and some silverware in there for her. Um, for whatever reason, I think they have a pretty good relationship, Nestor and, and Lynn. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also like a big middle finger to Johnny. Like, you know, I'll, I'll give it to you with my hands. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, absolutely. But to Lynn here, you can have a plate and uh, I'll heat it up for you. <laughs> now, one of our... Uh, I- I don't know. I can't speak for Tom, but one of my favorite moments in the entire show is uh, is a scene that you're also in. It's when Johnny is looking for that very last six pack of Coors Banquet inside the fridge. Ralph comes in and he puts two and two together that Ralph is the one that hiked up or got the uh, landlord there to kind of hike up everybody's rent because Johnny finds out from your character. What did you think about that entire scene and also having being in that scene? You know, that in, in that scene, it is kind of a moment of, oh, you know, like you get this realization that like, man, this is, this is kind of crappy across the board. Like, you know, like this is just mean. And so as, as the shop owner, it's kind of a, I, I don't think Nestor put it all together um, really. Cause I don't, he's just not paying that much attention. Like, um, you know, he even like le- he literally tells Ralph to watch the store. He tells you know uh, Daniel Larusso like just watch the store for a sec while I go in the back and get some something for you, you know, or spray paint. Um, and it's this like it's it's like I, I just feel like he's very disconnected and like sure whatever. But in this in the sequence of the scene, uh, for for myself realizing that it was. Again, because I hadn't seen, you know, obviously we were in the middle of shooting it, so I haven't seen the whole show, and I, I haven't read the entire script, just my episode. So it was a really interesting moment to be like, what, where is this going? You know, like, I wanted to, that's what really locked me into the understanding that I definitely wanted to watch the show when it came out. Um, not only because I was obviously involved in it, and I did love the Gracratic Hit, but, like, where were they taking the story? We get this opportunity to see that, like, Daniel LaRusso just, total jerk move right there like that was really really shysty and really like greasy for him to do and it totally victimized so you know it victimizes johnny so much it's like wow like you really you really just messed his life up and then you know messed nestor up a little bit too but i don't again i don't think nestor nestor really reflects on it with the uh shop owner um well the 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 lot owner, um, Zakarian, and I, I forget his name. That's Ken Devishian who plays that role um, with the like Armenian lot owner from Borat. That, that's the only time I think exactly, and I think that's when Nestor like Nestor. I don't think can see the bigger picture. He sees like the present picture. He's like, you're the guy that I'd normally answer to, so answer this for me. Why is my rent going up? He doesn't like put it together where it's like, oh this guy played this guy to get this to happen. You know, it's more of a, like, uh, you know, I know this, this is the guy that I usually answer to. So I'm going to yell at him, but you definitely get that. The tension in the scene is really, really good with Johnny and uh, Daniel when they both are realizing what's exactly going on. And we shot that a couple of different times too. Um, And again, just for me, this was a, this was the biggest geek out moment for me. So we were talking about geeking out earlier. (laughs) <laughs> because it was literally a scene with just me and basically Johnny and Daniel. That's it. And so for my whole career to literally be in the middle 
of what is now a mental square off between these two fighters that I knew growing up. I was literally in, in the, in the ring, in the match between these two. And it was so cool to me. Cause I was like, Oh, this is like the adult version of what happens in the karate kid movies when they, they both like hate each other. And they're in a moment where they're like, dude, I'm going to kick your butt. I was right there. And it felt so cool because they, they, again, they take their characters very seriously and really live inside those characters moments. And so, I mean, I could all but hear the 80s score in my head while standing in that sequence. <laughs> like, you know, it was just like I could hear the synth keyboards in the background, like any minute now we're going to break out into a fight. Like, this is so cool. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool sequence. It was a really, really cool sequence to, to shoot and to kind of realize that Daniel Russo had that in him. Um, and of course, they did a great job following up with the like Miyagi flashbacks of like, you don't need to be that way kind of stuff. And I loved that that's how they kind of paid tribute to Pat Morita and the whole Miyagi character in that they, they kind of give this nod back to the idea that like, you got to find balance. You can't be like that. And I was like, yes, like, Oh, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm in awe here. That's, that's a really cool experience. Um, gosh. Now, since we're still kind of in the convenience store here, I had the opportunity to speak with Owen uh, Morgan, who played Little Bert, uh, you know, of the uh, Cobra yeah. Kai. Now, uh, in the in season finale, you guys had like a very a brief moment uh, as well, where where he um, purchases a dirty magazine, you know, when yeah. re- recounting like a um, a story of him running into Sensei Lawrence, you know, the previous night. What was uh, shooting right. that scene like, and and how was your interactions with Owen? Owen was incredible. Owen has never been on camera before, uh, before that moment, um, before that episode. He had never been on camera. This was kind of like a lot of his first time doing a lot of stuff, but he was such a natural with his facial reactions. He was just such a funny kid. Um, A lot of times when you're dealing with kids on set, it takes a lot of wrangling and riling them up and getting them to the right place and then calming them down and things like that. These kids were all incredible. All of them were incredible. And, and they really kind of took him in because they were all different ages. You know, they all look uh, different ages in the show, but they're, they're all pretty vastly different aged kids. Um, And Owen being one of the younger ones. And they just really like took him into like their little group uh, and, and made it very organic. And like we had, I don't know, we maybe shot that scene five or six different ways, you know, with one and maybe like seven different alts for uh, posts. And just, it was just fun because he was, <laughs> it was so hard not to laugh. Every time we shot that scene, he just walks up at this magazine <laughs> and his little face just looking up at me with this magazine. It, I think it's like, <laughs> bootylicious or something ridiculous too (laughs) for him to have such a specific uh flavor of magazine i just oh man every single time when they would say cut we would both just break down laughing because of how like what is happening right it was so awkward um but he just every single time nailed a different facial reaction that had me almost cracking up while the cameras are rolling every time Cause I would always just kind of do this eyebrow raise and be like, no dude, like you can't buy that. Are you kidding me? And he would always look up with a different reaction each time. It was, <laughs> it was great. 
It was so good. And one of them, I think, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like one of them was this like, oh, F you, man. Like this, like whatever, dude, this kind of punk reaction. <laughs> and for his little tiny character to do it was so good. And I was really hoping they would keep that one. I was like, keep the one where he just has all this edge and doesn't care and is throwing it back at Nestor. Um, yeah, he was, Owen was phenomenal. Great kid to work with. Yeah, that I, I, I like that reaction. But uh, I, I guess if you think about it, that's not really quite in character with uh, with Bert. You know, we don't really get that right, sense. Yeah, Bert, yeah, that's yeah. that's more of like a hawk influence. But uh, totally. do you think yeah. Nestor would have given it to him if he at least had a fake ID? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Nestor just like if you play by twenty percent of the rules, Nestor will fill in the other eighty percent. It's fine. Just show up with the ID. Sure, you got it. It's just so he can say later if you had an ID. I checked it. It's fine. But without the ID, you know, you're putting Nestor at risk, and he's just like, look, I don't want the drama. I don't want to deal with it. If if you get busted in some sort of way, they're going to come after me, and that's more of a headache for me today. So get out, you know, just get out of here. Uh, but that, yeah, that <laughs> that sequence was so much fun. As we uh, get ready to wrap up, definitely have a few more questions here. Um, I know a lot of people has been saying that they are waiting to hear back about their character in season two. Uh, you mentioned, you yeah. know, Nestor possibly joining Cobra Kai. I mean, it is just, you know, a couple of doors down. Uh, I'm sure he can also, you know, uh, compensate with, you know, some, some Coors Banquet, you know, in terms of payment. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah. what, what would you like to see happen with Nestor in season two if he returns? Yeah, if if Nestor returns and and let's hope he does because I would love to come back. Um, I think it, I actually think it would be kind of cool. Um, I don't, I, you know, to be really creative here, just to speak, at, you know, from from the perspective of Nestor. Nestor would never take karate. Um, it would it would never even cross his mind. That's not something you'd be interested in. Um, I think it's something that we might see him potentially look like he's interested in, but then like nah. Um, but I, I, I would like to see the Nestor character be maybe more of a, um, kind of like a, you know, in a weird way, kind of a bartender sort of person where, you know, Johnny comes in maybe to vent a bit about, you know, we have that in common. We both are paying rent in this, this Reseda area, you know, space. So just kind of business to business, man to man. I think it'd be cool to just kind of see a little bit of Nestor and Johnny reacting to owning a business in Reseda and how's it going? How's it working? And, you know, I think the humor and the comedy uh, in those two, in those two talking is their, their different takes on the kids. Cause I, I see the normal kids after school, they come in, they get a bunch of candy, snacks, dirty magazines, try and buy cigarettes, try and buy beer. So I see the like kind of mischievous bad and he sees the maybe more intentful good or intentful bad. If they're trying to use, karate for bad or if they're trying to use it for good so i think it'd be fun to have these conversations about the kids because we both know who they are and you know maybe he knows maybe we can see some genuine tenderness come out of johnny where i'm like you know the little one with the glasses that's always coming in here buying the dirty magazines and he actually knows his <laughs> name like oh you mean bert you know what i mean like he knows his name and knows who he is and you know he only buys those magazines because hawk tells him to do it you know and things like that maybe we get a little bit of like Johnny understanding his students and being like, oh, well, if that's what they're coming in here to do, you know, I can tell them to quit. And, oh, no, I don't mind. He's a good kid. You know, things like that. Like, I think it'd be kind of fun to see a little bit of the day-to-day -day of being a Reseda, you know, business owner. Uh, so, I, you know, we can bring Nestor back for that. And maybe Johnny offers, you should come take a lesson at you. It wouldn't help. 
wouldn't hurt you to lose a couple of pounds or something to Nestor. And then, you know, Nestor can either take that for what it is as a, yeah, well, here's another piece of pizza with my dirty hand on it. Or, <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I'll come check it out. You know what I mean? Something like that. And we can see Nestor kind of progress in that direction with Johnny. Um, I like the I like the idea of Nestor finally warming up to Johnny enough to let him have his own plate, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe 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 he puts it on a paper plate for him or, a, you know, or Nestor likes him enough to go over there and tell him, like, hey, I just put a fresh pizza up. Should be ready in four hours, you know, <laughs> under the nasty heat lamp. <laughs> I, I like the idea of it being uh, possibly like a, a hangout for the, you know, the Cobras, you know, after a session or before a session. Yeah, just walking up and down, looking at magazines <laughs> or something right. like that. It's always like where they go. I mean, I would love to see the kids, you know, uh, start a fight in my store and like, how is Nestor going to react to that? Uh, you know, I feel like Nestor has a couple of different ways he can react or it's either yell at him to tell him to stop. Or, you know, he just literally walks out of the store, walks down to Cobra Kai, grabs Johnny and is like, the kids are trashing the store again. You know, or it could be even more comical where Nestor just walks in and starts trashing the dojo. And Johnny's like, what are you doing? You know, and he's like, well, I got a bunch of Cobra Kai kids trashing my store. I thought I'd just come over and trash your dojo, you know. And then, oh, okay. And then we have this, like, adult, you know, need, uh, you got to act like an adult, wrangle these kids. I don't know. There's plenty of, I think there's plenty of stuff for Nestor to be doing in the next season. So I definitely would love to see a return of Nestor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where absolutely. else is he going to get the, 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 the uh, course banquet, you know? Like yeah. I'm, I'm the closest, best source for his favorite refreshing yellow belly beer. I, I like to think that um, you know Nestor uh, always puts out only one six pack at a time. You know, for Johnny to yeah. so, so he can Absolutely. climb in there and, and reach. <laughs> yeah, you can get it all the way in the back, Johnny. That's mm -hmm. where I leave it for him. <laughs> Maybe at the end of season two, you'll see it in the front, which is a nice little <laughs> nod to like, hey man, I got you now. <laughs> Now, do you have any words of advice for upcoming comedians? You know, you you mentioned you've spoken with uh, Jacob, and uh, you kind of gave some kind of some tips early on uh, as well. But for upcoming stand-up comedians or uh, you know people trying to find work in the acting business, what what kind of uh, advice do you have for them? Um, I know it sounds it's cheesy, you know, and it's cliche, but like, don't give up. That's, that's probably the biggest advice is, but it, it's going to get hard. It gets harder all the time. You question a lot of things, but just don't give up. Uh, you just stay, stick to it, stick with it. Um, if you believe in it, you truly believe in it, you put that energy out there. The world really receives that and, and will will follow you down whatever path you choose. As long as you put it out there that you're a hundred percent behind it and you believe in it, the world has to believe in it. And it's like, for me, comedy is one of those things where, you know, as a stand-up comic, here's some advice for anybody trying, you know, stuff that no one told me. You need to have a strong opener. You need to have a strong closer. Make sure that no matter how much time you're given on stage, you save just a few seconds to say your name clearly so everybody knows who you are. And then know when to get off stage. When you're making them laugh, that's the best time to leave. So you crack them up really good. Don't hold on to that last joke. If they're laughing, get off stage. Make them leave on that laugh. Leave on that big laugh. You got five minutes and you crack them up at three, go ahead and leave at three. It makes, makes it better. makes them want more. As an actor, like I said, just keep believing in it. Don't, don't give up. Keep doing what you do. Keep auditioning. Keep getting in front of cameras. Do every project you can. Something big will come your way. And hopefully it's, you know, Cobra Kai season two. <laughs> <laughs> 
And do you have any upcoming dates or projects that you want to plug real quick? Um, you know, just I'm I'm up in Atlanta all the time, just at different clubs. I have nothing major like a big booking coming up or anything like that, but you can always find me at Laughing Skull or at uh, Star Bar on Monday nights in Atlanta. Just always part of the scene. Um, and that's pretty much it. I have nothing major to plug, uh, nothing major coming up. But fingers crossed for big projects soon. And that concludes our conversation with Mr. Vos Sanchez. And so I want to thank him again for giving us the amazing opportunity to sit here and just listen to him talk about his experience. So cool. Very fascinating guy. Uh, again, we keep using this word. He's very well-spoken, very intelligent, and I want to hear a, a lot more from this guy. Yeah, he has a lot more to offer. I mm. mean, you know, we, uh, through the magic of editing, you know, we actually talked about like that Bob Odenkirk story and stuff way after our main conversation. Man, yeah. it was so good. I had to include that and, you know, worked it in. So you guys, uh, you know, have already heard it at this point, but just a really cool, you, you wouldn't have get in his credits. I don't even think Better Call Saul was on there yet. You know, I so. didn't, I didn't, yeah, I was looking on IMDb and, I saw an episode of uh, Powers, which was only uh, available on like a PlayStation Network, Cobra Kai, obviously, and then uh, a couple of independent short films. I had, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. See, so he dropped a little nugget uh, there. So yeah, he's clearly a, a fan of you know the Karate Kid universe and just a a, a different perspective to hear. So I thought it was a really really cool get. Yes. Uh, if anything, I, I felt like he was definitely a, a kindred spirit uh, as far as uh, our love of pop culture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Sanchez, if you want to come on and help us review an episode in season two, man, we'd love to oh, have you. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so so maybe that's something we can do for season two. Maybe reach out to some of the, our previous interviewees and see if they want to be guest hosts. You know, and, That would and be cool. Those. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. That'll help alleviate some of these like extra interviews we've been doing. I think it'd be cool <laughs> for the listeners, you know, listening experience, you know, having kind of a two-in-one. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool, so, yeah. Now, um, you know, there's a couple of different ways to uh, get a hold of us. Uh, I think by the time you're listening to this, you might have missed a, a pretty cool event that we had planned. Uh, actor Gianni DiCenzo, who played Dimitri, he did a... Uh, Instagram takeover on our Instagram account at Cobra Kai podcast. And, uh, you know, it's a Q&A. And um, again, at this time, it hasn't happened yet. But I feel by the time listeners heard it, they probably already missed it. But, you know, he agreed to kind of take over the account and, you know, kind of interact with some of our uh, followers. So, um, you know, I'm hoping to kind of get more people to to do that, you know, if they have the free time. So follow us uh, on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast. We got a Twitter account at Cobra Kai Pod. So there is another account that's Cobra Kai Podcast that isn't us, which is another show that is also covering it. Um, and they, matter of fact, this morning they tweeted out that they're kind of behind on some episodes because of, you know, life happens. And they actually kind of endorsed our show, you know, oh, wow, calling it cool. a great review. Yeah. So I want to give a shout out to them. Yeah. You know, so it's a little confusing in terms of the, the, um, the handles. I, I should have done a little bit more research to see if anybody... <laughs> Else was using that. So on Instagram for us at Cobra Kai Podcast on Twitter at Cobra Kai Pod. So we also have this great 
group page on Facebook. You know, it's slowly growing. We got two Cobra moms in there. We got a cast member in there, and I'm not gonna say who. You just gotta join the group to uh, to to follow. And we also have um, I don't know if she wants me to say her name, but we have the person that runs at Cobra Kai till I die the uh you know the fan account on Instagram where she's you know making like uh, animated gifs and and mm-hmm. photo edits and things like that really cool person she's sharing all of that stuff in the group page as well as that Instagram account so gi- uh, give them a follow um i just want to give a shout out again to uh Marty's Cobra Cove for sending us some samples yeah yeah, so you know, uh, Tom and I both got samples from them. So again, shout shout outs to Carly for putting us with uh, Logan and Mister Cove. Um, and I don't know what what else do we got there, Tom? I mean, we have our uh, our own podcast account. So yeah. I'm at Podstalgic. Yeah. You know, if you guys want to check out the Karate Kid movies, Tom and I reviewed from last year. Uh, what, what about you, Tom? Where can the listeners find you uh, if it's not Cobra Kai related? Oh, if it's not Cobra Kai related, you can find me on Twitter at the Drunken Dork on Facebook. Uh, my buddy Jake and I, uh, for our show Jake and Tom Conquer the World, have a uh, fan page. Uh, sounds weird saying that. Uh, it's called Jake and Tom Conquer the Group, uh, and you can find me on uh, Geeks Worldwide as well. And I didn't say it yet, but our group page, uh, should you want to join, it's www. Period Cobra Kai period. TVAMB group, and you spell out the words period as well. It's, you know, a play on the Cobra Kai website as heard on episode three. Or, yes. you know, yeah, yeah, episode three. So, um, you know, thank you, uh, everybody, for your continued support. Special uh, thanks to everybody that uh, has given us the opportunity to speak with them. We've been having just a great experience you know hearing behind the scenes and stuff like that experiences yeah mind-blowing for sure you know because as of right now you know it's not uh, available on home release so you're not really getting a lot of these uh, behind the scenes tidbits you know unless you're listening to our show so until the next episode we will talk to you guys later talk to you soon guys Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com. I have you ever considered like getting into podcasting yourself? I thought about it. I, I really love podcasts. I'm obsessed with podcasts. Uh, so it's something I've definitely been thinking about. I'm trying to find the idea of like some subject matter that would make some sort of sense only because i feel like there's so much saturation now in podcasts like, hey, as soon as you think you have a good idea someone's like oh you mean like how did this get made and you're like oh shit is that a thing and you know yeah. you look it up and you're like oh wow and, you know it's jason manzoukas and paul Shear. so i'm not going to talk about movies that i used to watch when i was a kid because those guys are crushing it you know what and i mean like that's exactly what my show is like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i started four years but ago I mean, like, for, right and you're, and you're crushing it though i mean like it's so it's like you know there's a saturation there's also um what is it? My 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 childhood mind is an idiot, or something like that. It's another podcast where they talk about 
old TV shows and cartoons and stuff from growing up as a kid. And do these things still hold up, which I love. I listen to all of that. I, I love podcasts. And so my, one of my things that I thought about doing was maybe a focus on the service industry and just letting folks kind of talk about what they experience on both ends. So having like a diner and a server and speaking on kind of the experience of, of a service. So what do you, what do you want as someone who goes out to eat at like a five-star restaurant? What do you expect? And then as a server, kind of the introspective, like this is what we see and this is what we deal with. And this is who we feel because, you know, I think that's kind of a strong thing that's happening right now, especially with the, the new stars show bittersweet or sweet bitter I think it was called. And it was um, a book and it's just really focused like on, serving tables and things like that so i thought that was an interesting thing i might mess with yeah yeah i the reason i ask because i think you're uh, a, a great speaker first and foremost yeah but, you absolutely know, and oh, thanks knowing as many uh, comedians and you know people doing stand-up and stuff they, that could be a thing too you know just interviewing other comedians and just talking about experiences i think that'd be kind of cool to listen to i was gonna say i would listen to that yeah there's a few in atlanta that are already kind of doing that which i like Mm. Um, there's one called straight people, um, which is really good. S T R the number eight P T L straight people. Um, and that's, um, kind of the LGBT perspective of being a performer in Atlanta. We have a pretty big LGBT community here. And, uh, the host of that show is Ian Aber, who's one of the best comics I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And it's a great show that just kind of talks to both gay and straight and queer and all kinds of cool people in the scene and just, it's comical, but it's also like very introspective and cool. And I, I really enjoy it. Um, that's a good one. And there's just a few that everybody's kind of doing like that. We have another one run by Cherith Fuller, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, Cherith. <laughs> uh, she is, uh, she does like an ast- astrological one where she like reads everybody's signs and stuff. And that's a really cool one. So there's a lot of cool content out there. And I definitely feel that um, I, I like, I like the idea of doing a podcast. So I, you saying that really kind of, uh, locks it in for me because I've definitely been thinking about it. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Tom just said it. We would totally listen to your stuff, man. Yeah, uh, we, we enjoy cool your thing. stories, so you know you can definitely construct a, a conversation. So yeah, cool. Thanks, man. I really appreciate hearing that, guys. That's awesome. 